0: PCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show.
1: your host, Matt
0: Robinson. Welcome inside an all new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. This is number 989. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. If you want to let us know what you think of these uh, episodes, we'd love to hear from you and uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever, you hear it, wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, happy to be welcoming back to the show. Our buddy Cram Nichols is here. What's happening, man? Not too much. What's going on? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been an interesting day, um, interesting few days, especially around uh, the Ottawa Senators. We'll get to that in a little bit, but you know where we like to start here, man. Have you brought something to sip on to the table here today?
1: Uh, I did, yeah. It's um, Wood Brothers, which is a little micro out of, I think I was told it's close to like Van Cleek Hill, out that way. Okay. Um, their stuff is phenomenal. It's expensive and it's really hard to find. I think there's only like two places in Ottawa that are selling it. Um, the Cheshire Cat and Carp uh, sells it out of their beer fridge, uh, but I think Bar Lupulus in Westboro has it on tap Nice uh, sometimes, or has it cans right. at least. Um, those are the only two places I've heard in the city that have it. But it's actually really, really, really good, and <laughs> it's an the kind of have right now. Yeah. Well, I've heard it's like beer stomps, like from Toronto and stuff. Like they come up, it's a bunch of like small batch stuff that they do. All right. And they show up on weekends and they clear out them, like they sell out, (laughs) sell out all their stock. And it's like expensive stuff. It's like, I think it's like nine bucks a can or something like that. Wow. Okay. uh, Yeah. This is a half baked series plum, blueberry, peach, and pomegranate, fruited Berliner Weiss. So it's a wheat beer.
0: That's uh, that's a July, a July beer, if I've ever heard it. Uh, yeah. Heard no,
1: sure. it comes out looking like a smoothie.
0: That's okay. delicious. <laughs> Gorgeous. All right. Well, we appreciate you spending that on us here, man, because like I said, this sounds uh, exclusive. Uh, I got something here that uh, it's a new brewery. Well, it's about a year old now, and I've had some other stuff on here before. It's called the Old Dog Brewing Company from uh, Bob Cage in Ontario. And, uh, not far from the family cottages. And, uh, the last time I was down, my dad picked up a bunch of stuff from there. And the one thing I'll say about these guys is I haven't yet had a single bad beer from them, but I haven't had anything memorable yet either. Like it's all fairly plain, right? Like even the stuff that's supposed to have a bit of an extra something to it, you don't pick up a lot of it. Right. And, um, in it's a not couple- the most flattering wreck. <laughs> no, it's not. But I'm. I got. You got to be real with the listeners, right? Like, it, it's nothing that'll turn you off. But there's nothing that'll make you come running back either. Um, and maybe the the two best exceptions for this is one called uh, the Yellow Lab, and it's just a straight up golden logger. All their uh, all their beer names are named after different dogs and whatever. That's fine. The yellow lab on a hot summer day—it's just a straight-up golden lager. It's perfect, man. It's a great beer for—it's exactly what you think of when you think of a golden lager. And they have a, a Mexican lager called uh, the Chihuahua Mexican lager, and it's got a little something to it, uh, but a lot of the rest of the stuff that they—they've uh, kind of experimented with or whatever. I just think you got to turn up the dial a little bit, right? When you people who've listened to this show for a long time have heard me say a thousand times—if you've got a certain flavor in the title of the beer. You better bring it, right? Like I better be able to get some of that. I, I don't want you to hint at it. I don't want you to be subtle. I, I'd like you to hit me over the head with it. So, this is uh, uh, the British Bulldog. It's called. It's an extra special bitter, five point three percent. I don't believe I've had this one before. If I have, uh, it does say on some of these cans it's a test batch. So I don't know. Maybe they're experimenting. Maybe they've all. Maybe they've heard the same feedback I'm giving right now, and they're trying to turn up the the dial a little bit, but, uh, yeah, the British Bulldog extra special bitter 5.3% from the uh, old dog brewing company down in Bob And Were you uh, a wrestling fan as a kid? You remember the British Bulldog?
1: No, but I was going to ask if your can's jacked up on roids too, <laughs> but,
0: uh, may poor Davy Boy Smith rest in peace. Uh, probably a little early from those, uh, from those roids. Um, Graham, there's only one thing that people are talking about today. All the sports media has been all over it all day. Uh, Your Toronto Blue Jays have fired manager, Charlie Montoyo, is the one I was going to say. See, I
1: thought you were totally going in a different direction.
0: (laughs) I'm going to make you wait before you get to hit me over uh, Matt Murray. We'll just hit on this quickly just because it caught me off guard and... There's no accident here. I'm a little surprised that they chose to go ahead and fire Charlie Montoya. I'm not surprised that if they were going to do it, that they would choose today when everyone's looking at something else. Did this catch you off guard or was this warranted that, you know, three Um, games over 500?
1: Well, it's been a really bad stretch, right? Like Mm. that stretch on the West coast was absolutely awful. Uh, I think they lost eight of their last 10 and uh, they got swept uh, by Seattle in a four game set. And, uh, you know, back when he was hired he had a lot of things that you were looking for right like he's a player's first manager um, bilingual he can speak Spanish and relate to the, all the young talent that uh, Toronto's accrued over the years and, yeah. It's just, uh, I'm not really surprised. I think he was probably a transitional hire in the sense like he was a perfect guy to bring them along as the team was young and and building towards contention and, and competitiveness. And he got them so far. And obviously, um, just reading the internet today and following social media, a lot of these Seattle beat writers picked up on some tensions in the dressing room. And mm. um, yeah, hadn't noticed Stuff that from the Roger's writers weren't
0: talking yeah. about it. Yeah.
1: Weird how that works.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You say that uh, the thing that immediately, uh, immediately came to mind for me was the play. I don't know if you were watching on, uh, on Tuesday night and there's that close play at first base and Vlad, tells the bullpen or the dugout. Yeah. Don't challenge that. I was off the bag. He's safe. Don't challenge it. They go ahead and they challenge it. And of course, lose their challenge. And the guy is of course safe. And I'm not saying Vladdy's like one of those guys, but I'm sure he's not impressed with that, right? And if they've already kind of been looking for an excuse, I don't know, there's been some rumblings. Yeah, like you said, that there's been some tension in the clubhouse. I don't know if that's just the the boiling point. We've talked about it before, right? Sometimes coaches are just, are the guy that you bring in when things aren't going to be good and you're kind of turning the ship around and then you go find the guy that's supposed to take you over the top. I don't know if, uh, if that's what and this is. And then they is, talk to
1: you, they talked to a veteran unnamed source in the, uh, unnamed source, like a player within the locker room today, um, who will remain anonymous. And he said, like, I'm not surprised by this at all. So, wow. um, you know, I, I don't know if the Toronto Reds just have their thumb on the pulses as opposed to their fingers or if, the, you know, their Rogers employees protecting the brand, but, um, yeah, it's, it's different. And then there's another hypothesis thrown around, uh, this afternoon where, you know, like Schneider, their, uh, assistant, assistant bench coach was, mm-hmm. um, being viewed possible as a candidate by other their organizations. So this is just an opportunity for them to kind of put him forward and protect one of their managerial assets. So, um, whether that had anything to do with it remains to be seen, but, um, it's something else that's been thrown out there as a, su- as a suggestion. So. Yeah.
0: And Schneider was with those guys in double A when they won a title with, uh, with Bo and Vlad yep. down in, uh, in double A. So it's interesting. Um, we'll move along to the hockey. That's why, uh, that's why people are here. But, uh, like I said, not at all surprising that if you were even thinking about it, today's the day to do it, right? Sportsnet, TSN, running wall-to-wall hockey coverage. Uh, let's just kind of get a, get that tucked away and hopefully nobody notices. But uh, look, I'm going to make us wait before we get to the two Ontario-based teams. And there is plenty of meat on the bone. We'll talk about the Sens. We'll talk about the Leafs in a little bit. Uh, before we do, it's been a wild day of, uh, of free agent signings. There's been a lot of trades over the last couple of days. Uh, we're going to bounce all over the place here and just kind of give some opinions on a lot of them. Where do you want to start, man? What jumps out to you today?
1: Well, Columbus, I think first and foremost, like what the hell?
0: This is the first time we've ever let off this podcast talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets, but it is a, it's a worthwhile place to start today. Uh, like it
1: starts early this afternoon, right? It's like Erica Branson, four years, four million AAV. And you're like, and I'm ah, looking at this Bob so McKenzie tweet. I'm just like, <laughs> this is a fake account. Like, there's absolutely <laughs> no way in 2022. Like, this is like some, Hoover tweeted this nonsense in my timeline. And yep. like, no, that's actually Bob McKenzie. And then you're like, what is happening? Because, like, he looked washed. Like, he looked absolutely washed in his season here in Ottawa, like, right. two years ago. And um, to see him kind of pull this kind of money now, like obviously had like Calgary had a very good year, and mm-hmm. and to put up some decent underlying numbers playing for a solid defensive team, but like it's inexplicable that a team in this era in 2022 with all the uh, advanced knowledge and statistics and, and analysis that goes on that a team would be willing to overpay for four years at 4 million a, a per season for Erica Branson. Like it's just, it's mind boggling. And then you go from that extreme to like the total opposite end of the spectrum where they bring in like Johnny Goudreau. It's,
0: and it's just like,
1: you, you not like. You, yeah. Like you messaged me before the show saying, Hey, like, you know, I've sent you a link to, to log in and, and, yeah, I'm like, well, I just need a little bit of time to get my kids ready for, for bed and stuff. And you're like, yeah, no problem. I'll just have time to digest this Johnny Hockey news. And Colum- I'm like, what? What, are you, what are you talking about? You're like, <laughs> Johnny Goudreau to Columbus. Yeah. I'm just
0: like, what <laughs> the hell? <laughs> That's the one where I did the double take. When Friedman put that out there, I'm like, this is not the real Friedman account. I'm like, what is happening right now? There it is. It's the, uh, yeah. the verified it's- checkmark. Jarmo yeah. Kekalainen is not a dumb general manager either. And you know, when he does the like you said, the four times four on uh on Good Branson earlier in the day you're like, I don't know what you're thinking right now. And then you turn around and do something awesome later and you go ahead and totally redeem yourself, right? Uh, so do
1: you think like do you think like looking at these moves is like a function of a lot of these teams that are you know, a lot of these big market teams that were looking around the league and, and seeing, you know, like the Rangers, Leafs, uh, Flyers, Pittsburgh. Vegas whatever. Um they're all pressed up uh, up against the cap ceiling I won't, and a lot of the you know a lot of teams at the bottom of the stands aren't necessarily going to fork over that money. So if like a mid-tier team comes along and has the cap space, maybe like we're just in a different era where but money's, Then why not to stay in Calgary? Really tight?
0: I I don't know. It's a better team like it, it by all accounts so this uh this deal in Columbus is going to pay uh Johnny Goudreau apparently 9.7 million dollars over 7 years. Calgary offered him eight years at over 10 million. He's leaving like 15 to $17 million. Now we can talk about taxes. I don't know how things work in Ohio and whatever else.
1: Oh, I saw that. Uh, I saw that online today too. And it's not even that significant. It's like, a. it's, it's really close. It's okay. Surprisingly close actually.
0: So uh, yeah, like, uh, I get the idea. I think we all understood or assumed he's coming home, right? It's going to be Jersey. It's going to be Philly. It's going to be one of the New York teams. He's going to be in the general area. I guess certainly Ohio is closer than Alberta. Um, But in terms of leaving money on the table and stuff, like New Jersey had more money to spend um, than Columbus gave him, and by all accounts were ready to do so. And I don't know about you, man, but I'd much rather – be in new jersey taking passes from jack hughes for the next seven or eight years than in columbus taking them from jack Roslavic and boone jenner i like i don't know what that looks like it's such uh, an odd in
1: fairness move. to columbus though like they do have some nice prospects right like Kent Johnson's supposed to be a good yeah. playmaker they got cole Sillinger who had a really good rookie season um they do have pieces right yeah um but yeah i don't think some of those pieces are necessarily at the level um uh, the new jersey's young guys are but um their blue line's got some nice pieces as well mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting that they would you know like pivot off seth jones last year and, and get out from underneath that bring in some nice pieces when they traded him to chicago but yeah to pivot right away and go to johnny goudreau with another expensive long-term deal uh, it's interesting and it's just i don't know it's, it's a different dynamic and i don't think it's bad for the league when you see like no, teams not. like columbus getting into the market or even ottawa of Giroux, right like yep. it's it's kind of refreshing to see teams take shots and kind of give that money out Get and their we'll see how and it plays out.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And like you said, whether or not Patrick Linea is back in, in Columbus will be a huge thing there on how this is going to pan out for that team. I, I'm sort of left with, you know, it was fairly well understood, I think, that he was going to go to Philly. There was reports that he had been texting some of his buddies in Philly that he was coming home. And they end up paying, like, they're paying $10 million now to Tony D'Angelo and Rasmus Ristolainen, and they won't attach a sweetener to JVR to get him out of the way. Like, Philly had this if they wanted it, and they it seems like they just, I don't know. I, I was sure it was going to be Philly or New Jersey, New Jersey man, and I, I'm very surprised this is where this has ended up. I love it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm getting that. I love it. Oh, okay. uh, let's talk about Carolina a little bit because they just, uh, later in the day, they made a couple of trades today, actually. Early on, they get uh, uh, Brent Burns from San Jose, uh, I guess about 30% retained, so his 8000000 million-some-odd comes down to 5 in and a bit uh, to go to Carolina. And then they pick up Max Pacioretty from Vegas literally for nothing. And we can talk about Vegas a little bit and, and how they've managed assets here, what they traded away you know, to get Tatar and then turn, you know, Tatar into and then turn Pacioretty into. And that hasn't been great. But Carolina has been interesting because they've been a very good team for a long time. But last year, they only had one guy in the top 50 in league scoring. And, you know, Max Pacioretty, he's getting up there a little bit, but he might give them another game breaker. I kind of like what they did today. And, and getting Brent Burns, even at his age, down to like a $5 million cap hit for the next couple of years. I don't know. That seems like a team that can manage that, and and you manage to remove Tony D'Angelo from your locker room, which is probably also worth something.
1: Yeah, there's something to be said. Like I don't think much of D'Angelo, um, and just in terms of what he's what he's had to say in recent years and yeah. politics and everything else, and you know just everything that he's about but you know like they brought him in as a one-year project and then they essentially after the the rangers bought him out they bring him in on a one-year deal kind of a show me deal um they, they're an excellent franchise well coached team uh and they turned him into a commodity and they flipped it immediately
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so i don't know like you can you, there's something to be said i think about you know the risk of bringing a character like that well, did they flip him
0: or did he leave his UFA?
1: Uh, well, they, he got bought out, right? Yeah, but they I brought that's him right. in, they brought him in, and then they, they immediately flipped him on a one year deal, right? right, right so, right, right. and to recoup the assets that they did for him after just one season, like essentially what they got, um, from Philadelphia is almost like equivalent to what Ottawa got, uh, or what Ottawa had to give up to uh, get Alex to at, minus the first round pick. Like, right. it's, it's 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 savvy management in, in that sense, but I mean, obviously, there are risks involved with the character, but sure. It, Carolina's always been one of those franchises over the last like 10 years that that people are like okay this is this is starting to become a really really well run organization and I think it all starts with Eric Tulski sure it does um, and it you know whether it's the draft picks or the free agents or the people that they're targeting and bring it in like bringing in Max Patriot on one year deal um, where they don't have to give up anything literally to get them. Uh, speaks volumes, and I think it speaks volumes about Vegas's asset management. Like you said earlier, like they press themselves up against the cap ceiling, and now they're tight to it, and they're trying to get out from underneath bad de- bad deals and and bad trades that they made, where they've given up a ton a ton of prospect uh, capital to get these guys, and then it just well, just didn't the guys work they've out. had to
0: let leave for nothing. Like you got nothing for Pataretti, you got nothing for Nate Schmidt, you got nothing for marc Andre Fleury, like.
1: And, yeah, uh, and unfortunately, Mark Stone's back is an issue as well, right? Like yeah. they committed a lot of dollars in terms of these guys, and it just hasn't worked out, unfortunately. But they've had some, you know, in saying that they've had some very good teams that had some kick of the cans. But you know, as a young franchise that came in in uh, 2018, like they didn't have pro, they didn't have a prospect system at that time. You know, like they, they only had a co- like that one draft, and then they slowly built up their system, and now they've emptied it. So I, I got to tell system you, isn't that deep right now?
0: I got to tell you though. I like how aggressive they've been. I like that my young franchise is in on literally everybody. And yeah, this today has not been a banner day when you can now trace back all the assets you've lost to get this done. But instead of coming in as like a weak sister, he's going to be bad for a while and whatever you have set this franchise up by building some buzz and being successful for a while that yeah, maybe now you will kind of end up. And I don't think they're going to be a bad team here next year or anything, but the things that might've happened to you as an expansion franchise are now going to happen to you five or six years in after you've had a chance to get that excitement in the market and show those fans some success might be a better model than just being terrible and having everyone look at you when you first arrive and go, yeah, not interested, right? It's an, it's just a different approach.
1: Oh, certainly I, in a way it's kind of reminiscent of the way like Ottawa and Tampa had their different paths when they first ended the league for the 92, 93 season, right? Like Tampa was more loaded with veteran talent mm-hmm. and, uh, they took the high upside guys, who've you know had NHL experience and have more to give. Whereas Ottawa took a bunch of like old first round picks that hadn't really uh, played well at the NHL level, and they rolled the dice that way, and then did the traditional rebuild where they they stunk, and then uh, accrued the prospect capital to eventually turn around. But you're right, like to- two totally different paths, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where Vegas goes from here.
0: Let's move down to Florida because I think a couple interesting things have happened there. First, with the Panthers, obviously they lose Claude Giroux to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, They also lose Mason Marchment, and uh, they're bringing in a couple of Stahl brothers. We'll see what that's going to look like. Uh, Mark Stahl, I believe, on a $750,000 contract, Eric on a PTO. Tampa has locked up. You're going to leave out Colin White? Come on. I forgot about Colin White. How could I? Uh, He gets himself a deal (laughs) down there and uh, a fresh start. Um, We'll see what that looks like. Tampa just upstate a little bit. They locked up basically the rest of their core for as long as it was possible to lock them up. Uh, Sorelli gets six and change. Um, Sergachev was a big one. Yeah, 8.5 and I believe uh, Chernak gets five and change. All of them times eight years. Um, It's risky, but at the same time we are only apparently two years away from the big cap bump. Right? So Eight times 8.5 for Sergachev to me looks like an overpay. You're talking about the next five years, Kale McCarr is making $9 million. Um, but it, in theory, once the cap starts moving again, this doesn't look as bad. Uh, take a stab at whichever Florida team you want first and, and what you thought would happen down there today.
1: Um, not really surprised by like Florida's Florida's offseason so far. It's been it's been pretty quiet. they are pressed up against the cap a little bit too, right? Yeah. Um, Colin White I think is a good depth grab. Um, as kind of like a one one year kind of prove prove it deal. Right? I you know, like I've I've said this before on your podcast of looking back at his tenure in Ottawa and like to me even though the offensive numbers aren't really that strong for a guy who's drafted in the mid middle of the first round um years ago he's just he's turned himself into a good defensive player and it's i think it if he gets the opportunity to play that similar kind of role in florida uh he should thrive it's a good defensive team and um they're a fast skating team and there should be many opportunities for him down there to, just to turn his career around but out to that
0: canadian spotlight too yeah, maybe that's part of it too. And well, you know, just he's while you're trying bad to build yourself and, a little, right? And, yeah,
1: yeah, and he he's just been unlucky in terms of the injuries that he's sustained and stuff. So I, I think it's a perfect landing, soft landing spot for him to try and um, build some value to his uh, build some value to his career. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: he wouldn't be the first person to go to Florida and do that, right? That's so true. Um, Tampa, you know, uh, you're right. I think the cap expanding in two years is going to be a huge thing for them. Um, but they're losing good players, right? Like Andre Pallat. Um, he's priced out just based off the guys that they re signed today. Um, and he was a valuable piece that's you know been a part of the all their Stanley Cup runs these past few years. And
0: as we sit here now, um, it's still available out there,
1: yeah. But and you know, you look at the roster now, and they have a bunch of guys like hitting UFA status next year, too. So they're gonna lose some pieces, but um, it's an interesting team, they're always competitive, they're always in it. Uh Vasilevsky is going to keep them in in games and you know they still have a ton of firepower up front. But, you know, they've they've re-signed a lot of guys to their core who are, you know, hitting that magical age of thirty where guys start to go into decline a little bit and you'll start to see diminished returns on the investments that they've made into these guys. But um they've also got many of the best years of these guys and look at the success that they've had. Yeah. So it's it's you know when you've had as much success as they have had over the years, it's it's tough just to say to these guys once they're once they're you know in their late twenties, sorry guys, you're you're done. We're gonna start flipping and bringing some young talent and rebuild this thing. Like that's just not gonna that's not realistic and it's not
0: gonna happen. It is uh, the other two guys. I, I think there's a chance, even though at 24, Sergeyev is likely approaching what he's gonna be. There's still a chance for a little growth there, and maybe that one's not terrible for a top four long-term the other ones like I love Anthony Sorelli former Oshawa general um but six and a half million for what he does you know defensively yeah you know I don't know if the offensive numbers are going to be there to justify that now if he gets back to what he was a year or two ago you know maybe he was sort of on track to be a little more productive but he's sort of kind of fallen into that defensive uh role now I'm not sure his numbers are totally going to Make you love $6.5 million. Chernak, again, also at five and a half, is a really good defense-only defenseman, right? And that's a lot of money for both of those guys, man. I, I don't know how you feel about those cap hits, but to me, I can live with Sergachev. Both of the other two maybe feel just a tad high.
1: Yeah, and you could even throw Nick Paul into that too, right? Like, he's coming in at like 3.15. Uh, God, seven on, years. On a, yeah. Don't give those guys seven deal.
0: years. I just, I don't. You know.
1: I, I really like Nick Paul, yeah. but like that's that's really expensive over yeah. the long haul.
0: <laughs> Agreed. Uh, why don't we go up to Detroit where Steve Eiserman has given um, Andrew Kopp uh, the one that I always think back to, man, and Steve Eiserman would have had a front row seat to this when Marty LaPointe was just, killing it as a third second line kind of center for for Detroit and he leaves and he goes to Boston where he's going to be their number one center and they give him five million bucks which was huge money at the time and oh no I'm not a number one center it turns out this is what Andrew Kopp looks like to me when he's not particularly well sheltered and I know Dylan Larkin will still be the number one center in Detroit but Cop as a third line center or even in New York where he was sort of the second line center but The weight there was actually being carried by Panarin on that line. I feel like this is an awful lot of money and term to be giving Andrew Kopp by the Red Wings. But at the same time, Iserman is one of those guys where you're like, he probably knows what he's doing. I'm not really sure how to feel about this one.
1: He's never had 40 points in his. Oh, I guess I should say. One. That. Sorry. Just like, one. Just, 40 just one 40 point season. He's had a 39 point season and he's had his 40 point season this year. But yeah. yeah, you're right. Like, you know, he's not the youngest player in the league anymore. You know, like he's 28 years old. Uh, his best years probably just happened in the last like two or three years. Yeah, And, you know, you're talking about. Uh, well, I, I, you know what, in saying the 40 point thing, like he's played a lot of shortened seasons, right? With the, with the uh, COVID yeah. shortened seasons and stuff. So he, like, he's put up some 20, he would have been on pace for like a 20 goal, 40 plus point season uh, with Winnipeg. And then this past year, he fared quite well. But, again, like it's kind of, it's all reminiscent of like Pajo right? Ever since like Pajo I find like a lot of those like 15 to 20 goal guys who put up like 35 to 45 points are going for a lot of money. You they love they those guys, game. but you can't pay you them. You love to have those yeah. guys. It, they're nice to have when they're inexpensive, but once yep. they hit like a certain threshold in age, it's just like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. But uh, you know, they, Detroit has to spend their money somewhere uh, in the interim, and uh, you know it's. How about on Ben Sherat
0: who also gets uh, yeah. almost five. I don't mind, uh,
1: yeah, and I don't mind Perron, right? Like Perron's sure, but he'll player. be back in St. Uh, Louis
0: by Easter. That's sort of the way his career's <laughs> gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's very very true. <laughs> but yeah, but at least his at least his deal was a short term deal yes. at 34 years of age, right? Like yeah. a two year deal. Like that's not prohibitively uh, expensive for those two years. So. Yeah, the Sherrod deal I don't really understand as well. Like a 31 years old, four years, four point seven five. It's That's terrible. It's a lot of it's it's a lot of money again for a guy whose underlying numbers aren't very strong. But, no. you know, like he had the he had the Stanley Cup run with Montreal and then, you know, he played on a good Florida Panthers team last year for a bit. And he's kind of built a reputation as a guy that you can depend upon in your top four to be like a um a tough, rugged uh, stand-up guy. You can throw some weight around and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, it seems like teams this offseason are overpaying for that. Like you look back at the Goodbrands and so you look back at Sherrod, and if teams feel that they have to fill a need, though they're they're willing to spend the money for it because they have to spend the money somewhere.
0: Uh, let's jump out to Edmonton, which is rapidly becoming Toronto West. Uh, and why wouldn't it? After all the success Toronto's had, why wouldn't you want to just keep loading up on all those pieces? Uh, Jack Campbell ends up out there at five times five. Um, you know, joining. Uh, Cody Cece and Tyson Berry and Zach Hyman and all kinds of uh, Leaf alumni. And actually, I'm blanking here right now. There was another former Leaf who ended up there with them today. But uh, anyway, what do you think of of Jack Campbell, five years with the Oilers? Um, I liked Jack Campbell quite a bit as a Leaf. I wasn't prepared, apparently, much like Dubas, to commit to him long term after... What's been a fascinating journey in his career thus far. Uh, Edmonton needs goaltending; they want stability, and it seems like they're sort of trying to build a bridge to Skinner to be the guy out there. And uh, I guess Jack could be that for them. What do you think of that one?
1: I think it's an obvious upgrade over Mike Smith. Yeah, um, five years at five million per It's uh, it's probably a fair deal for a guy who's shown he can play, you know, a, as a competent like one B kind of goalie, like a mm-hmm. guy who can split time and and play well over like long stretches of time but there's been some injury history there and there's been some inconsistencies as well so you know at 30 years of age is he has he shed all the questions about him being a le- legitimate number 1 i don't think so right. but um you know the the goaltending market this year uh evaporated so quickly did it and there was so much i hadn't noticed <laughs> there's so much there's so much competition for the yes, services of no, these guys right, right. like that uh, someone that was going to be left
0: with a weak sister. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, Evander Kane also stays out there. I was a little surprised, honestly, that uh, that he stayed. Not necessarily um, because I thought he wanted to leave or anything. He had terrific success playing with uh, with the, top, the the big guns they have out there in Edmonton. But I think that the contract ended up being only four years, um, at less than five million dollars, or right around five million dollars.
1: I thought yeah five point two five.
0: Yeah, that was. To me, a little less, honestly, than I thought he would get after kind of rebuilding himself there, as Connor McDavid can certainly help you do. Um, I wasn't sure where necessarily I thought he'd go, but I thought it would be for longer. But maybe you just look at it and go, I'm in a pretty good situation here. I'm just going to let it ride.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I don't think it gets better than playing the wing for Connor McDavid. Um, And I think, you know... I don't think with Evander Kane, it's ever a question of his ability or production levels. No. I think it's just a matter of is this the guy? Is this guy the right fit in our room? And I think a lot of teams around the league, even if he was available, wouldn't touch him. Right. And uh, right or wrong, um, he, he was comfortable in Edmonton, and he's in a good spot alongside McDavid. So, if the money's close to what you think it is, and and Ken Holland just turned around and said, "Hey, this is what we're going to give you. Take it or leave it," um, he took it. And I don't think the market for him would have been as big as, uh, maybe some would have expected after the postseason that he had with Edmonton.
0: Yeah, it's true. And, you know, once you're Ed, the Oilers in this spot, you're like, we're already sort of through the looking glass. We've done it. We've taken the heat for bringing him in here. Uh, only they know what he was like in the locker room. Um, to everyone else, he's an unknown in Edmonton. You're sort of like, eh, it wasn't that bad. Like for what he's bringing to us, maybe it's, it's worth it. So, uh, there's something there. The, uh, the champs out in Colorado, they've held on to some pieces. Val Nachushkin gets locked up super long-term. Uh, they gave him eight years times, I think it was about $6 million, $6.1 million. And uh, also Josh Manson is going to be returning. As we sit here now, Burakovsky has left for Seattle and Kadri remains unsigned. I can't imagine after locking up those other guys that he's going to be able to go back there. Um, but they've done an okay job hanging on to a couple of pieces there. Are those the ones that you would have chosen?
1: I think, based off cost alone, yeah, probably, because I think is gonna be uh, incredibly expensive based off the season that he had and and everything else. And, and you look at the roster like just projecting forward, I think they have like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have seven uh, guys I'm just looking at cat friendly off the top of my head. Um, yeah, they have like seven six or seven guys who are pending UFAs next season, one of those being Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, and that's you know, gonna be you, a big you, number. Well, and you you have to earmark uh, a lot of that money for him. Yep. So they signed the guys that they felt they had to. I think their farm system is decent enough to uh, absorb some of the hits and some of the losses. And I think, you know, kind of like how Toronto right now kind of has to go dumpster dive uh, for guys because of their cap situation and kind of present themselves as an organization yep. that people can rebuild their reputations, play there on a short-term deal, rebuild their, their worth, and then test the waters elsewhere. I think Colorado is probably going to have to position themselves in a similar deal because – all their best players are signed, and they're pretty expensive. So it's definitely something that they're going to have to look at um, doing next year. They have to be smart with their money and then save enough where they can make McKinnon happy and give him whatever he wants because he's a UFA.
0: Lots of talk that Darcy Kemper would end up in Washington at about 6 times 6, but it ends up being 5 times 5.25. Uh, he says on TSN when they bring him on uh, during their uh, their extensive show on, uh, on Free Agent Day that – um, he went there because he thought it was a good chance to win. They have a good veteran group and he could be a part of that. I sort of feel like that window maybe isn't totally closed, but is pretty close to closed. Um, what did you think of, of Kemper to Washington? And do you think he's correct that with him stepping in there as opposed to, um, Samsonov and, and Vanacek that they had last year, you know, maybe with the, some more steady goaltending, is he right that they could still take another run at this?
1: I'm just looking at the average age of their positions right now. So yeah. their average age of their forwards, 29.7. The average age of their defense is 29.2. The average age of their goaltenders is 30. Okay. So <laughs> this has to be like just looking at that number, those numbers alone, like that's that's an old team. Like yep. hey, it's, you know, their best their best older players are sorry, their best younger players are like 28 years old, right? And that includes Con- Connor Brown that they just acquired from Ottawa this afternoon, but Tom Wilson, pick, and, yeah, Tom Wilson and sorry, Anthony Manthis 27, but like. The, most of their guys are o- over the age of thirty, right? Backstrom's so, going to miss and, half the like, year. Yeah, and Backstrom, like, you don't know how he's going to turn around with his with his surgery. Yeah, and it's you know they have a lot of star power and, and guys who've had great careers already. But um, I think they're one of those teams that's probably just father time's going to catch up with them pretty quickly. Yeah.
0: So that's my list. Before we get back home to here to, on, uh, here to Ontario, unless you have uh, any other names or teams you want to. Uh Anything you've found no, let's, interesting?
1: Let's get right into this Matt Murray stuff. Uh,
0: let's talk Matt Murray. Uh, Matt Murray d- gets dealt to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs with, with just 25% retained by the uh, Ottawa Senators, which is a, a nice little coup for, uh, for Pierre Dorian, who quite honestly, after taking a merciless beating on this podcast over the last several years, uh, has had a very nice, at least week or so here in uh, in getting some things done. Uh, he sends a third and a seventh round pick. God love him to our uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, and um, it's not good, man. I'm not confident in this. I don't like this. They've also the Leafs today also signed Ilya Samsonov, so that's your tandem going into next year. I actually at one point eight million dollars. Think Samsonov is a reasonable gamble, but not when you're already taking a giant gamble on Matt Murray. Uh, you wrote a great piece on this deal the other day. We'll share that in the in the show notes. What do you make of this deal from from both sides of it? What is Toronto getting, and what has Ottawa managed to get the hell out from underneath?
1: I it's curious because I I'm not really sure because like you know. It, if you just look historically at what the Leafs have done over the years like they are a group that marries the analytical with the eye test like very well like they tend to they tend to hit on the guys that they bring in as position players but for whatever reason when it comes to goaltenders they've just yes. haven't had a ton of luck and I think you know like Kyle Dubas has deservedly taken some heat for the goaltenders that he's brought in over the years and I think mm-hmm. like you know Jack Campbell was a fine uh, low low cost acquisition that he brought in and he had success for them but you know after the Peter Morazic experiment failed uh, miserably last season. Um you I'm to just someone surprised. for
0: a million more dollars?
1: I, I am. I'm, I'm really surprised. And yeah. I think, you know, the, the reasons why they brought Matt Murray in are similar to the reasons why Ottawa acquired Matt Murray in the first place. He's still relatively young. He has had a championship pedigree. Like he was a part of those two Stanley cup winners in Pittsburgh in his first two years in the league. And I, I totally understand that. But at the same time, you know, he, you look at his recent history, and he has not been good. I think he's had one good season in the last four years, and you know there was that nine-game sample from January to February last season, where his save percentage was like nine fifty.
0: But that's what you want to bet you your know, job on. That's nine. But games. you look at the broad, you look at the broader
1: sample of like the last four years, and you're like, okay, this guy can't stay healthy, and he can't play effectively. So,
0: is that the bigger to, risk for the Leafs? is that he's like, if he's healthy. Like the Leafs, I was looking at this earlier. The Leafs went something like twenty-one nine and zero, and during a stretch from January first on, where they were getting eight eighty-five goaltending. They're a good team who can keep their head above water. I believe Matt Murray's capable of giving them better than eight eighty-five if he's healthy, right? Like, is to me the health seems as big of a risk as anything. You know, maybe they can find something in his game. I'm getting tired of. Hearing the defenders of this trade say that Dubas and and Keith know him, they don't know him. They knew him like a very long time ago, and the guy's had some. He's been through some shit since then.
1: Yeah. Well, he's actually won.
0: Yes. Unlike unlike anyone. <laughs> Sorry, that, else. Was, that was too easy. I, I get too it. Easy. Just, you're gonna leave a hanging um, fastball out yeah. there. I get it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, like I, I understand why they they'd be interested. Um I just in watching him though, and, and this is just getting beyond the injuries and stuff. And I've said this before on your show, um, he's not the most athletic of goalies, but and he's slight of frame. And you know, like last year he came into camp uh, 15 pounds heavier, the best shape of his career, and uh he started okay. He wasn't necessarily that great, and then he got hurt. Right. And then he came back and he was okay, and then he finally got on a heater in January to February, and then he got hurt again. And, you know, even when I think even when he was going well and it's just the way he plays to me never really inspires confidence. It's just like the glove hand isn't that great. The pucks just seem to hit him like his positioning will be fine. And then pucks just find him. And I don't know if that's just a function of him playing the angles while reading plays well or or what have you. It just seems like it's not as skillful as as others at the position seem hmm. to make it seem. And I don't know if it's just luck or, or just he's just relying totally on his technical ability or what have you. It's just, it just to me, never inspired confidence. Like, I always felt like the wheels of the wagon were going to fall off at some point and teams have figure him out. But um, now oh, I, we don't really have to
0: worry about that. That's your problem right that now. It is my problem, absolutely. <laughs> um, let's assume, and it's a hell of an assumption, let's assume... Both of Toronto's new goaltenders stay healthy for the entire season. Which one of them plays more games?
1: Oh, well, obviously the hot hand, right? Um, and I right. think that. So who's I that playing? Be? I, I think playing in Toronto is going to help both those guys. Um, and I think that's kind of the attitude that Toronto has: is that they play uh, such a puck dominant uh, system that they should be able to shelter these guys. They just need these guys to. You know, stop the ones that they should stop. Not necessarily stop like them all, but stop the ones idea. that they should, and give and give them a chance to uh, give them a chance to win every night. But um, you know, like when Samsonov became available after Washington uh, refused to qualify him uh, as an RFA, I thought, hey, maybe that's a guy that Ottawa should target for the same reasons that Toronto ultimately wound up signing him. But Ottawa brought in Cam Talbot instead, and Samsonov went to the Leafs. But um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for Samsonov to be motivated. After Washington uh, refused to qualify him, and and uh, he could walk away with a job in, in Toronto, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did.
0: Yeah, Dubas said that in his uh, press availability there on Wednesday afternoon. The thing that he liked about, or one of the things that he liked about Samsonov was that he was willing to bet on himself for one year. Yeah, I'll come there for one point five million dollars, play behind what should be a good team, rebuild my stock a little bit, and and show something. And he has a pedigree. He came in with a ton of hype behind him. He just. It's never really panned out that way for him in Washington, who, to be fair, has also been a very good team in his time there. Um, but I, I, to me, that's the type of gamble that is okay for a team in Toronto's spot to be taking. You know, as a backup at one point eight million dollars, let's see if we can help this guy find something. We know there's a bunch of talent there. I just this Matt Murray thing scares the shit out of me at at four point whatever it is seven million dollars when you're supposed to contend and you have tied yourself. And your last two years, as you so correctly pointed out on Twitter, the last two years of Austin Matthews' contract are now tied to Matt Murray's contract. Man, I I just... I'm a, I'm a Dubas guy. I'm one of those guys who has always said this guy makes far more smart decisions than bad ones. And to me, this... I just... I don't get it. Uh, it's a bad one. He said uh, the reason he chose Matt Murray over Jack Campbell was term. If I'm Matt Murray, that's not like... A super vote of confidence right maybe part of it is just that <laughs> but I think you can defend that though like I think of course yeah yes.
1: Murray is probably better than five Jackie especially Hilliard
0: knowing that eight. in two years you have to pay Austin Matthews you want as much flexibility yeah, exactly. on your cap at that time but uh, yeah it's fascinating to me why don't we move to Ottawa the team that uh, has apparently fleeced Kyle Dubas here this week and they have uh, they've fleeced the Blackhawks um I never thought I'd say this man but when Pierre Dorian calls don't answer the phone this guy's doing good business right now uh luckily for the senators Claude Giroux did pick up the phone um look we can kind of work through a couple of the things that they've done here kind of piece by piece in a second but just what's the last week or so been like kind of in for a Sens fan on Sens Twitter I'm Unfortunately, far more tied into sense Twitter that I wanna be right now. um man, there's some excitement, and this franchise feels very different than it did at this time a week ago.
1: no, and I think first and foremost, I'm happy for all the fans in the city who've been dealt a shit sandwich for the last like four and a half years yep. um The lots of downs, lots of downs, not enough ups, and um lots of fuck ups. <laughs> Lots of self-inflicted harm yes. for sure. Um, but it's fun. It actually feels like there's a sense of normalcy that's kind of like been restored to the organization a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna get into the reasons why. Uh, but they're pretty obvious. Yep. And, you know, um I've always kind of maintained that Pierre dorian's best deals historically have been the ones where he's getting out from bad, under bad contracts and you know, and some of these are again self-inflicted harm like deals that he signed himself but you know being able to get out from guys like dad and matt murray um and others like it's just been it's it's those have been i think his best deals to this point that haven't involved the trade deadline where he's just selling guys to the highest bidder um but uh, it's been great and you know i i don't know <laughs> i don't know that the first week, two weeks of the, uh, of the summer could have gone any better than they have for Ottawa. Like, obviously there's a ton of risk involved in bringing in a guy like De Brinkett, Um, you know, like Matt, De- the Matt Duchesne deal is obviously going to be referenced because he was brought in with a year on his deal and one year of RFA term after that. And, uh, or sorry, it was two years for Duchesne and he was hitting unrestricted free agency. And then with DeBrinkat he's got one year uh, left as an RFA after the season's over. So there is the possibility that he could uh, decide that he doesn't want to re-sign in Ottawa down the road. But I think they've they've rolled the dice, they've taken a gamble and they said, We're gonna bet on ourselves. And yeah, obviously the circumstances are different from when Duchesne left and when Mark Stone left and Eric Carlson left who uh would to break out my face in a year and a half's time. But um, I, I think they positioned themselves well. They've added Claude Giroux, um, a local guy who's, you know, 34 years of age. He's still an elite, like top two-way guy in the league and I think he brings a dynamic that they just lack in the top 6 right now and he brings a lot of veteran leadership and pedigree and he's played internationally and he's been an NHL all-star he's been a Hart Trophy finalist um he's kind of he's kind of done it all at this at this stage of his career and to bring a guy like that in to kind of uh lead by example and bring some of these young players along. I think that's going to be fantastic for their their development. And I think it'll, it'll be a lot of fun and reinvigorate him a little bit. It puts him in a different role than he's had anywhere else in his career. And it's going to be fun. And, and, you know, to Pierre Dorian's credit, like he has been the architect of this and uh, you can't, you can't really complain about what he's done. I think, yeah, he, he has taken some, he has taken some risks with the to bring cat move and it still remains to be seen whether you can resign him and stuff. But, um, I think fans have every right to be happy right now. And, you know, after four and a half years of just, of de- depressing off ice stories and, and poor transactions and players asking out and, and waiting for this rebuild to start, you know, proving itself. And, and just for management to demonstrate that they're actually capable of actually building around these young kids. um, I, It's been an exciting last two weeks and I'm kind of uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of the summer goes.
0: Yeah. It's, it's been, man, I, what was it? Thursday morning before the draft, we thought Ottawa was trading that seventh overall pick with Matt Murray to Buffalo and to turn around later in the same day and use that pick to go get Alex to bring it. And I know, Pierre said in his, his press conference after the trade that, you know, we would have still had Buffalo's 16th. We would have sweetened it. We still would have gotten the Debrinket thing done. But man, the mood, even that morning when we were hearing about the Buffalo trade was like, here we go again, more Pierre Dorian. Like it just didn't look like this this week that has followed was in the cards, right? It, it looked like more right. of the same from the senators. And to turn around that day and make that Debrinket deal... Man, it just swung the entire narrative on a dime. And look, I, I I acknowledge everything you just said. I agree with you. There is a ton of risk here for, for a guy like debrinkit And yet, it's exactly the type of move that a team like the Senators, who struggles to bring in unrestricted free agents, should be making. That's your The, st- the, the cupboard is pretty well stocked. They have lots of prospects. Some are already here. Some are yet to come. Um, you can afford to spend the seventh overall pick on a 24 year old 40 goal scorer. And instead of going out and trying to lure him to Ottawa as a free agent and it's the unknown. And I don't think I want to be bothered. No, I went out, I got him, I brought him here. And for two years, we're going to show him what we're building. He's going to be here with, you know, whether this is a factor or not, there's an American click here, right? With uh, Norris and Kachuk and um, Sanderson coming and uh, you know, whether that makes him more comfortable or not, I think to have him in the house for two years and go, look, this is going in the right direction. And it's absolutely a worthwhile gamble. And it's one that I'm, I was a little surprised to see them make and, but man, Pierre Dorian deserves credit for taking it.
1: And maybe today's, Johnny Goudreau uh, contract signing with Columbus kind of foreshadows like, hey, maybe a lot of the big players that you think might be interested in service down the road won't have the, have the money to sign them. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Ottawa becomes just more desirable uh, by proxy. But, you know, it, it's they're taking a shot. They've drastically improved the top six. Obviously, the roster still has its holes, right? Like, I think everybody's looking at the blue line saying, okay, Pierre, you've got the top six done. Fantastic <laughs> top six. Now, what are you going to do to address the back end? Because you know you have Artem Zub on a one-year deal; mm-hmm. he's about to hit unrestricted free agency at the end of the year. You have Nikita Zaitsev, who everybody knows the organization is trying to ditch. Um, they need a top four guy. They need a top four guy, and I'm not really sold on their bottom a pairing of Nick Holden and Travis Hamonic. So, where where do they go from here? That's that. That's the question. They they just traded Connor Brown uh, this evening for a second-round pick to Washington, so I'm thinking that's draft capital that will allow them to um, make a move for a top four guy so we'll see how it goes I think you know you look at Ottawa's moves that they made they haven't really given up any of their prospect capital and you know you open up their cap friendly page Ottawa still has their first round pick in the next three drafts they have all three of their second round picks in the next three drafts. plus Washington's that they added today mm-hmm. and they haven't lost much you know and yeah. you know you you mentioned the deal that fell through with Buffalo and uh, naturally you're thinking oh god that's what it's <laughs> going to take you get Matt Maria that's what it's going to take to get Matt Maria off the books he's only on a two-year deal and Ottawa could probably just don't print worry the and we'll bear fleece like,
0: the dummies down the highway
1: and then you see the actual return that toronto got to take on matt murray and you're like damn yeah that i'm glad that buffalo deal fell yeah. through
0: matt murray saved uh, by flexing that no trade clause <laughs> uh save the senators here and uh look it's yeah you know, uh, i saw get was whatever the last save Matt Murray ever made for the Senators was uh, was the Buffalo trade that wasn't. What do you think of the uh, the goaltending swap that they made uh, today, um, sending Gustavson to Minnesota and getting Cam Talbot in return? I like following quite a bit. I'm sure you know him as well, um, uh, McCurdy there on Twitter with Hockey Viz. Um, yep. he had sort of said that in his his model or the way he mapped this out. That in the minutes that Gustafson had played, he was a uh, so far kind of a slightly above average goaltender, and that Cam Talbot is sort of slightly below average. But there's not a ton between them other than, you know, age and and maybe what you're looking at there. Um I guess Talbot will battle it out with Forsberg to be the guy now in Ottawa, and and we'll see. You know, if that's sort of a tandem situation, obviously it was pretty clear he wasn't thrilled in Minnesota when they went and got Marc-Andre Fleury. He then wasn't thrilled when they re-signed Marc-Andre Fleury. So maybe he was always going to leave. What did you think of the the goalie swap?
1: And that's just it, right? Like he did complain openly to, to Wild Brass about um, Marc-Andre Fleury twice, right? Yeah. Bringing him in and then re-signing him. So um you know, he's he's thirty-six years old. Uh he's on a one year deal that's worth like I think his real cost to the team is like three point six six million or or something. Um, you know, it just if you're gonna talk about Michael Blake McCurdy's um visuals that show like he's been a below average goalie uh last season. I think he goes even further than that. Like evolving uh hockey, if you look at their metrics, his goals saved above expectation was like minus thirteen. Right six, nine, I believe last season. So like you look at the goalies in the league, that was like the fifth worst mark in the league. And you know, camp Talbot's had a lot of success. He's had a lot of good seasons, but he's also really old. And I think, you know, if his, if, you're talking about a guy who's at five on five is, is gold saved above expectation. Uh, rating is, is a negative for the last four seasons. So I think it's fair to assume that he's a diminishing asset and um, I'm not expecting him to come in and blow the, blow the roof off this place and be a stand-up goalie uh, moving forward. But I think he's a known commodity. Um, is he the backup uh, the thing? Th- I don't know. Yeah. It, I like, I have a hard time. I have a hard time pegging it because, Anton Forsberg has been a career backup his entire career uh, or a third-string guy. So you're banking on a veteran uh, guy who's probably in the – you know, in decline and you're and you're banking on a guy who showed last year that he's capable of playing regular and playing well. But was that just a small sample size or this this just an indication that this guy just need an opportunity and a chance to run and chance to run with the ball? I, I it, it's probably one of the more fascinating things. But I think, you know, one of the things that Ottawa really, 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 really has to focus on is, is shoring up the defense because, you can't be expecting these two guys just to stand on their heads uh, every game next season to give these guys a chance to win. I think Ottawa's gotta do a better job of uh, puck retrieval on the back end and, and transition the puck up the ice to their forwards. And um they gotta clear out some they gotta clear out some dead weight. Nikita Zaisa being one of them, they gotta bring in a capable top four guy that they can uh use and and insulate Jake Sanderson and Tom Shabbat on the left side. I, I you know, Artem zoo's been asked to carry the load these last two years and um, I don't know if it's more ice time or whatever, but last year he kind of had a a down year from his first year. And if they can insulate him a little bit and then bring in a legitimate guy just to give him a breather and take a lot of that pressure off, I think it would help the team remarkably.
0: What do you suppose then the point of this trade was? Because Gustafson is obviously also significantly younger. Um, Is it just straight up that management liked Talbot better and the veteran leadership and wanted a little more you know, what they deemed to be stability there and, and you and I just disagree with them or was there something else to it? Like I, I, I still, I don't really understand what the motivation to make this deal was for Ottawa.
1: I just think they want a veteran who can push Forsberg. It's just, they believe that Talbot's a more reliable insulator at this point in time. And I, I think it's just as simple as that. I think Gustafson's 24 years old, uh, you know, he's had a number of years under his belt um, at the HL level. And then last year, like looking back, I really like And I think like he showed some athleticism, he showed some technical ability while he was here. He just last year, he just because of his contract, his two-way contract, he never really got an opportunity at the beginning of the season. He was just a guy that they could send to the minors right away and then rely on the two veteran guys. Right. And then once a guy got injured, they called him up and then he didn't play that regularly. And when he did, he just played inconsistently. And he just couldn't seem to get he just couldn't seem to get the playing time and, and regularity that he did the previous season. And And he was just kind of the the third guy in the picture. And it it wasn't really fair to his development. It was kind of a lost year for him. And, uh, you know, like Bill Guerin, the general manager in Minnesota, has familiarity based off his time in Pittsburgh uh, when they they drafted Gustafson. So it makes sense for him to be interested in him as a a potential young goaltender with upside that they can um, hopefully shelter with their good defensive team in Minnesota. So... To me, it makes sense for Minnesota to target him. Uh, Obviously, they have some. I think they, I believe they have Jesper Wallstadt in their system too, don't they? That's right. So, like, it's not a bad roll of the dice. Like, you're rolling this dice on him being maybe he has a great season for Minnesota and he's another asset that they can can flip for something else that they need. And then they have Wallstadt come in and take his spot, but um, not a bad, not a bad gamble for him. And then uh, obviously, it clears up a lot of uh, cap space for Minnesota who desperately needed it. So, it could be a win for both teams.
0: So it was interesting today when we watched the uh, the press conference there, Claude Giroux walking up onto uh, the dais or whatever you want to call it to, uh, to have his introductory presser. And it just had this vibe to it, man, that I don't know. And I want to ask you like how far back we have to go. To see a guy, and you're right, he's thirty-four, but he is not a. he's not thirty-eight, he's not thirty-four and washed up. He's he's still a very good player. Um, you know, the things he could teach some of these young senator centers on face-offs after practice and the all situations that he's gonna be able to play for them. It was interesting to watch that press conference and and this guy step on stage who who brings it and he's still, you know, at the tail end of it, but still in his prime. How far back do you have to go? as a Senators fan, to remember a presser like that or even like bigger where you go, you know, Debrinkit coming in as well. Um, When is the last time that Ottawa had kind of a a stretch like this and added impact guys like this kind of in quick succession?
1: I don't know that they ever have, to be honest with you. I think like you probably have to go to like Danny Heatley. Um, maybe being introduced after the lockout right um when they traded like Marion Hossa, I remember that, like there were people like lined up outside the CTC to meet them and, and sign autographs and,
0: and that was your that came in so there was some big e- big names yeah there. so there yeah.
1: there were there was some moves around that time but um that was that was probably it and I, like you you know if you want more recent than that like Sergey Gonchar was probably like their next yeah most recent solid get but i mean like he was russian he wasn't like a an outspoken or or uh it was a character that you could comfortably put in front of a mic and then, right. you know, sell them, sell them to the fans of the media. So I think, like, you look at like what Claude Giroux represents, not only as a as an on ice talent, but what he means to the organization as an off ice guy that they can market to people in Gatineau or market to the fans who've become apathetic or you know a little despondent with the way things have been run recently, and all of a sudden like people are excited again. Yeah. Like this is a chance to like you know like now they have a bunch of uh, not only young kids but like marketable marketable stars that they can uh, take the ball and run with and you know he might relish that as a guy who you know he doesn't have to worry about the limelight of being a captain or a leader uh, who's represented with a letter on the ice when he plays but he's a guy you can make a lot of inroads in the community and hopefully build this market a little bit more and regain some of the fans that they've uh, that they've lost over the years
0: i saw at least one uh, tweet today that Included a screen cap of someone who bought season tickets because of the, uh, the Claude Giroux signing. I'm sure there was more than one, but one that I saw on my Twitter feed. It's, it's big, man. It's a different vibe. It's a different feeling. I'm getting text messages from my, you know, Ottawa friends who don't seem to realize I don't really want to share their excitement. Um, but I'm happy for them, right? I'm happy. They're happy. Uh, this is big, man. And I, I guess you know, maybe one of the best places to kind of end this or or wind this down. The last time you were on, we talked about the the over 30 point gap between the Sens and the last playoff spot and whether or not it was possible to make that up in one off season. And I will admit, I did not see this off season coming and I don't believe they're done. I do believe they'll go find somebody to, you know, help stabilize that blue line. How big of a name remains to be seen, Um is this and it's an unfair question to frame it is this 30 points better but is when you look at this roster right now is this a roster that when you look at the rest of the division you can envision going yeah you know what they're going to be right there or is there still other things to do
1: I still think uh, I still think that there's a, a few other things left to do just uh, they need to add to their defense and I think like they need to make this more than just like a one year flash in the pan like you know they got to solidify like Artem Zub's role uh, moving forward they have to sign another top four guy um the brink contract is going to be something that they're going to have to be worried about um but if they had a defenseman and they curb their defensive numbers and become a, a better puck possession team i think that you know it'll help their goaltenders if 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 that's a concern but like my concern is you know from the blue line in and um Injuries can obviously happen as well but um, if the centers can add a competent top four defenseman and they get credible goal time, just even league average goal from the two guys that they have on the, in between the pipes um, I I think they've got a shot I think some of the teams yeah. ahead of them have taken steps back Boston being one of the principal ones you know um, I think you know you look at Washington I think had the lowest wild card seat I believe That's right, I think yeah. behind Boston I think they were like a hundred points or something like that not always was at 73 but um, Washington's an older team too, and you know, like Tampa and Toronto and Florida should still be like really strong teams. But maybe Pittsburgh takes a step back as they're Mm -hmm. getting older. Maybe the Rangers can take a step back. I don't know. Like Carolina is really strong. It's going to be a dogfight in the East again. Like it's it's tough, but uh, it's fun too. Like Buffalo, Buffalo, Detroit, Columbus, like those teams are trying to take steps forward. New Jersey's trying to take steps forward um it, it should be a it should be a fun year and you know like even if even if ottawa ultimately just misses the postseason by a couple points or whatever they just need to be competitive they just need to be pushing they need to provide exciting hockey the fans can like rally behind it and get this market excited again for and you know you throw you throw in the prospect of a new arena coming to labrette flats yeah. down the road and, and um just some other fun things that are going on and it, it, they'll, they'll get the fans back and and you know if you, if you look at this market over the last four years like i can't tell you the number of people who i've like followed in my timeline who are like apathetic uh to the state of this franchise like they're starting to return and get excited about this thing again and it's you know it's seeing people like get re-engaged with hockey on social media and stuff it's a lot of fun and just to like hear feedback from your friends and and everything else it's it's a fun time to be in ottawa again and uh it's been a long time coming. I'm just really happy for the fans.
0: I don't think it was insignificant that at the beginning of that press conference, uh, Pierre Dorian took time to thank the board and then by name thank the Melnick Daughters for for the support yeah, to make this happen.
1: But every time there's a press conference or a media availability, like he, he thanks everyone. Okay. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> I, so I, he, I did if, laugh if,
0: that he... he his prize free agent signing, he called him Connor to start the press conference. (laughs) You're like, Oh, come on, Pierre, you're you're doing Uh, so good. Someone pointed out in my mentions that it's poor Claude Giroux because Bobby Clark forgot his name at the draft. Who are we drafting (laughs) against? So Claude Giroux can't catch a break with people remembering who the hell he is. Look, the the top six that the senators are going to trot out at forward. I don't know. Are there five teams better in the league with a better top six? Like it, it's a good-looking group, right? And, and that's going to be Shane Pinto, probably a third line center, so you still have uh, they traded away Connor Brown, but Formanton looks like he'll still be around, like, I don't know. The, I don't know if they're a playoff team or not. It'll depend what they do on the blue line, like you said, but they're going to be a lot closer than I would have expected after, you know this point in the offseason. I, I expected they would make improvements. I did not expect they would get this kind of cachet and name value coming in.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I think there are some like things that you do have to like recognize and and kind of be cognizant of, right? Like I think like first and foremost, like are penalty kill units—they've lost Nick Paul, they've lost Connor Brown, yeah. um, and they've lost some prominent uh, prominent guys who filled successful roles for them in, in that capacity. And you don't really know who's going to step up. And then you still kind of had the like, the cloud of that World Junior scandal kind of like overhanging the league. And Ottawa right. has two players on the roster who are on that team, and you don't know whether those guys are going to get implicated or so- what they're going to get. His, or exonerate, like you have no idea. I'm sure the team does at some point. No,
0: no, no. Right? no. I like, mean, is there still two? Is it not just Formington now?
1: Uh, Batherson as well, right? Right, right, right,
0: I don't think he's been clear, was, but Mete was left, but yeah, but he, he had he an alibi, anyway, but, so
1: yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, hopefully those guys aren't implicated yep. and hopefully they have a chance to play all year. But like, if the league comes down and cracks down on the guys who were involved, like, you hope to, you hope to hell right. like those guys weren't involved. Right. Um, but if they were, like, then you're probably looking at. Uh, a period of time where those guys are unavailable to you and you don't know, you don't know about that. So, yeah. and then you look at the blue line, they still have work to do back there and then they got to rely on their two goalies. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun year. And um, I, I wouldn't, you know, I think there there's a good chance that they could push for a playoff spot. It's just that, you know, I think there's, there's stuff to be wary of as well, but most teams have that as well. Nobody's perfect.
0: So it's true. I can uh, I can tell you I have questions about my team as we sit here uh, tonight, but <laughs> that, that I assume will be okay. The blue line is fine. They're they need some some depth big time up front. To uh, their bottom six right now, just in absolute shambles. And uh, the goaltender, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll be seeing Eric Schalgren again more than we expected to by the time the season's all said and done. Uh, tell the people where they can find your work, man.
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Six or you can uh, find me on my Substack website, blog. Uh, it's at Uh It's called The Roman A Day. Uh, you can also search for it on Google. But uh, Matt, thank you so much for having me back on. I had a really good time talking hockey and, and talking senators and uh, rubbing the Matt Murray thing in your face. <laughs> I'm
0: glad you enjoyed that.
1: <laughs> um, very, very cathartic. It's been two years coming. Yeah, for sure. You know what? And I, I joked about this on Twitter too. It's like when, when, Dorian targeted him, and you're like, oh, God, I hope they don't give up anything for him. And then they, you find out they gave him a second-round pick. You're like, ah! Right. And then you find out the contract was like six by – or four mm. years by like 6.5 yep. or whatever it is. And you're like, ah! And then who would have thought at this time it would have cost possibly Kyle Dupus's job <laughs> and not uh, Pierre Dorian?
0: <laughs> yes. Who would have thought? Because I, I honestly, I can remember saying on this show at the time of that trade – I don't hate the trade. I hate the contract for Ottawa. Right? Yeah. That the trade I could live with the trade, but man, it's a hell of a risk when the the brand, and again I never thought it would be landing in my lap two years later, and uh, and the pointing and laughing would be coming from the other direction. So, uh, hey, maybe he'll
1: kill it. Maybe he'll kill it. You never know. It's
0: on the table. I don't think it's the most likely outcome, but it's it's an outcome. It's a possible outcome. Uh, do
1: you have a lot of do you have a lot of faith in Toronto because they have like a sports science department? You know, they have a heavy analytics focus. Uh, do you have like any confidence in those people to turn in turn Matt Murray around? Uh,
0: <laughs> that probably said it all. I guess <laughs> no. Uh, just just because they don't have a track record of doing it with goaltenders, right? That's They've turned Andreas Janssen in, from a seventh round pick who stayed in the minors forever into an NHLer that they were able to turn into something, right? They brought Justin Hall out of the ECHL and made him a serviceable NHL defenseman. They're capable of doing some of these things, and Dubas has made some really good bets. I don't know why he's making this one at starting goalie in a year you're supposed to be contending. I just I don't see what it is they could possibly do over the next month leading into training camp that returns him to form and fixes his injury issues and i i think this is a a terrible gamble and i yeah i'm i'm willing to i'm hoping to sit here in 6 months and be going wow this is going great the guys found something he's playing really well I just don't see it i i don't understand what the point of this was and uh, yet, even if your argument as you sort of suggested earlier and lots of people you know, the, the goalie market moved fast and all of a sudden, you know, would I be super confident in Vili Huso and um, I was pumped to give him almost $5 million? No, but I'd have probably felt better about it than this, right? The, if your argument is what was Dubas supposed to do, he wears that too, right? Like he wears the uh, the fact that he let himself get to this point where Matt Murray is his only option and... Uh, wow.
1: Not only that, too, right? I think he, like, it goes back further than that, too, where like you can actually start talking about the John Tavares contract and how it's kind of that if you know the, he signed that before the big guys signed their uh, contracts as RFAs coming out of their ELCs, right? And then all of a sudden, they wanted big money, too, and all of a sudden, there just wasn't a lot of money to spend, and that's kind of impacted all the decisions going forward. So It's just... I,
0: look, I get it's, that It's that's, hard. A, that's a reasonable argument. The problem is when you look at all the other growth that's happened in, you know, after uh, when other teams have made their big moves and their big signings, the cap ground to a halt on Toronto. It's moved almost not at all since Nylander and Tavares signed and literally not at all since Matthews and Marner signed. And look, Dubas is a, it's a gamble that the cap is going to continue to go up. It was a reasonably safe one. The cap has always gone up. He couldn't have predicted this. And, So he lost that gamble. That's still on him, but that was a completely unforeseen. If the cap had continued to rise the way that it had been and would still be, right, with the new TV deals and the expansion team and everything else, you know, Tavares, you'd still look at it and go, man, that's a big contract. But it wouldn't be the focal point, I don't think, that it has become around Toronto. Just my opinion
1: on that. Yeah. No, absolutely fair. I think that's totally fair.
0: Yeah, so it's – yeah, it's, it's quite a spot that, uh, the Leafs are in right now and I don't think they're done. I expect that they will continue to look for, you know, this year's bunting or Kasha or whatever, who are useful, but you know, it kind of swimming around in those guys that weren't qualified and, and see what they can find there. But, uh, right now, um, as we sit here on July 13th, yeah, it doesn't, uh, they haven't taken apart the whole team or whatever, but it's not a great feeling right now. Even though they just finished with 115 points, it doesn't feel like that right now. So, but it's an incomplete puzzle. So we'll see.
1: In a way, it's kind of reminiscent of the centers in like the early 2000s. You're just like looking to get over that hump.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, we'll see now how close the Sens have. <laughs> have caught up and God help us in Toronto. If they get over the hump first,
1: you know, you know what I am looking forward to this season though, is like competitive games yep. between these two teams. Yep. And you know, you throw in the Murray dynamic and, and of everything course. That goes with it. And there's like, there's the opportunity for bad blood. There's a, you know, these are going to be prove me games and, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. These are going to be meaningful hockey games again.
0: Totally agree, man. And, uh, I'm glad you did this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I knew you were, uh, you were the right guy to get on and, and and surf across the league and I would at the end of it take my lumps on the uh, the Matt Murray thing, but uh, but well worth it. Thanks so much for making the time. We will put uh, the links to uh, to all Graham's work in the uh, show notes here at TalkinAudio.com or in your podcast app. Man, thank you so much for doing this, buddy.
1: No, Matt, thanks so much for having me on. Really enjoy uh, always coming on and, and talking sports with you. It's,
0: it's awesome. Wind this one down here for Graham Nichols. My name is Matt Robinson. This has been episode 989 of the Talkin Audio podcast. Thank you for checking this one out. We'll catch you all next time. 'Cause at least I- Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio.